Welcome to the Onyx Podcast. I am this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here once again, thank goodness, with my lovely co-host, Matthew Dawkins. Hello. And Eddie Webb. Hello. We're saved. Matthew's here again. Hooray. Are we saved? I mean... you were gone for a while. I think I was in the last one. uh, Yeah, yeah. Pirates of Pugmire, actual play. Your your old memory is deceiving you, old man. (laughs) I have been here all along. (laughs) When when did I become Obi-Wan Kenobi? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, Matthew Dawkins. That's not a name I've ever <laughs> Which which one of you is Obi Wan Kenobi? I don't even point? know. I don't even know. <laughs> I've been watching Andor on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's, speaking that's of been, Star Wars, been surprisingly kind of noirish for a Star Wars show. I like it so much more than some other. Like my biggest complaint about some of the recent Star Wars shows. Has been like get out of the fucking desert. I'm tired of the desert. Get off fucking Tatooine. Tatooine's boring as shit. Right. No one cares about it. Don't it's, know why it's... anyone would, frankly, live in a pl- planet that is entirely a desert. It's it's the freaking Star Wars universe. Can you show me something interesting? Like, come on. Right. And so with Andor, I'm, I'm I'm like I'm like oh, a different planet. This one seems to have moisture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. But it was, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to go into spoilers because it's still pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. just from a set design perspective, I got pretty strong Blade Runner vibes in terms of yeah. practical city design. Yes. And so everything felt like lived in and grungy. And I was just like, I, it was it was something that fits into Star Wars because we have seen these kind of grungy places before. But it, it, again, it channels kind of that, that, that Ridley Scott vibe in a way that I really was surprised by and appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like seeing you know what what's going on with working class folks in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I just like the concept of Andor. I like Stellan Skarsgård. I like Diego Luna. I know that you know the longest that this show can run is five seasons because then everyone dies. Because uh, <laughs> I saw Rogue One. <laughs> right. Spoilers for a movie from four years ago, but yes, <laughs> I think it was more than four years ago, wasn't it? Oh my god, has it been? I don't know. I know it's pre-pandemic. It was definitely pre-pandemic because I saw it in theaters. I just don't remember when or where. Either way, it was it was a good. while ago. I mean, hell, the one of the first lines of the first Star Wars movie spoils it when she says, "Many Bothans died to bring us this information." Well, right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm enjoying it. I think it's interesting. I'm also enjoying seeing some of the other locations that they're putting in it. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I started talking about this, but I got really excited. No, it's it's, it's been a great show. I've also been enjoying She Hulk. I love She-Hulk. I my new passion is um reviewing things at IMDb because I look at the demographics of who gives them shitty reviews and it's usually uh white men over the age of 40 mm-hmm. reviewing things like She-Hulk as a one star. Mm-hmm. And I'm like fuck you it's not for you. It's for right. me. Right. It is for my millennial ass <laughs> woman self. Um and so now I just go on IMDb and review all of the shows that are quote unquote too woke for people like uh, the Rings of Power. Yeah. And I'm like 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 10 stars on this. 10 stars a league of their own. 10 stars <laughs> on She-Hulk. Like 10 even even if I'd probably actually rate it like a a, a 9 in some right. cases. I'm like no 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 10 10 have to counteract all of these fucking ones from dudes. One star bandit. I mean, it is a thing, though. Like, yeah. the, the the minute a Marvel property has a woman as the lead, like, if you look at Captain Marvel, if you look at Ms. Marvel, you know, any of those, it's like, so many people are like, this is the worst thing Marvel ever did. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's it's actually quite good. Uh, a while back, and I swear we're getting topic, but a while back, I fell in the rabbit hole of uh, fan editing because I'm always fascinated by uh, fans adapting media to their own interests so like yeah people who watch like tv shows a certain order or read comic books a certain order whatever and fan edits is kind of a natural evolution of them mm-hmm. um and someone did a a fan edit of endgame uh which is labeled the quote-unquote anti-feminist edit which basically cuts out all the female characters right and npr actually reviewed this fan edit <laughs> Yeah, I think and, you mentioned this a while back, but please refresh my memory. Yeah, it, it, they, they called it uh, 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 jarring to the point of being nonsensical. Yeah. But it, it led into this interesting kind of, of, of rabbit hole of, again, people trying to shape media to their own interests, which I find interesting because role-playing games have always done that. Right, yeah. 
Um, and certainly the game I have in my head when I'm designing it is never going to be the game that other people play at their tables. Yep. Um, but seeing that applied to non-interactive media is fascinating to me. Yeah, it's it, it's fascinating, but also just sad. It's oh, just sad true. when like somebody looks at something like the Avengers and is like, "But what if no ladies?" Yes, I'm but, like, but 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 for every one of those, you also get stuff like um, uh, people who uh, re-edit Johnny Mnemonic to be a black and white film. Um, interesting, which is a genuinely interesting approach. Um, uh, people who. Uh, ha- uh, like someone re-edited the original Star Wars Episode Four into a movie about Ben Kenobi. Uh, so it's hmm. like it's the scenes about Ben Kenobi and the other linking scenes necessary, but basically the way it's edited, the focus is now on Ben. So it starts with Ben Kenobi on Tatooine. This this kid mm-hmm. comes across his path, and then basically his character arc to eventually sacrificing himself, and this movie ends with him dying. Um, hmm. So like it, it it's it's interesting to to kind of see. You get new stuff out of it when you have these kinds of reimagining approaches. So yes, occasionally jerks are going to happen, but genuinely cool stuff also comes out of it. Yeah, totally. No, I'm not saying that the entire concept is is flawed. I'm saying that the the, the specific application yes, no, is that, annoying. Yeah, that, 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 that's sad and, and, and just lame. That said, our topic today is about how people might interpret things versus intention. Yes. Look, look at that segue. Yeah, see? It looks like I built towards that. Yes. We wanted to wrap up uh, Pugmire Month by talking a little bit about the setting itself. We've done deep dives before. Uh, we've talked about the setting off and on a few times. But I know there are a lot of kind of fan questions and there are some secrets and there are some things that are in people's headcanon or in your head, Eddie, that have never been written down. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're not going to answer every single question. Sure. Because some of the questions are deliberately unanswerable. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, like, what happened to man? That's up to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not something that I don't think Eddie has a canon answer to. Although I'm happy to talk about, like, maybe why some of those things aren't canon answers. Yeah, yeah, t- t- totally, totally. But we're going to talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the the setting secrets of the realms of Pugmire as a whole. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Um, and it's cool that, like, honestly... Obviously, naturally, these conversations need to be three of us, but also I think it'd be interesting to have you both here because both of you have contributed to some levels to this. So mm-hmm. my memory of why I made decisions and your memory of what I told you those decisions were may not always line up, which will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely know that since I wrote some of the character creation for some of the later supplements, I had a lot of conversations with 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 Eddie about, you know... How, how like do you have a reason why characters are named this way and often the answer was no and i was like so should i make one up <laughs> yes please <laughs> um based on you know extant characters yeah. uh but yeah like but very often eddie had a very real answer for things which was like you know oh no 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 this is actually the secret behind this thing so we can subtly weave this in here etc and certainly sometimes the reason I had was kind of unconscious. And then the question causes me to actually directly approach the problem and go, do I have an answer for this? Oh, it turns out I do. We should talk about this. So it comes across like I'm just spouting stuff. It's like, oh yeah, and it's, it's this, this, like I, I always know that it's like sometimes it's like, huh, never thought about that. No, oh, maybe it's this. Mm-hmm. And then I start thinking about, like, oh, actually, no, that makes sense. We should, okay, that's probably the answer. Um, mm-hmm. I know... Uh, to kind of go into one of the first secrets. Yeah, yeah, go for uh, it. Uh, uh, Rich talked about it a little bit on the Monday meeting blog, uh, but early on when I pitched it, um, he did a lot of concept art for it, which mm-hmm. was... Fr- I've never told him this directly, and this is probably the closest I get to telling him directly, but that really got me excited because like, here was an artist who I admired for, for a long time doing concept art for my game. And so a small part of me is like super excited. Like well, Rich, the Rich Thomas is like doing art for my game. It's Rich, you've got a fan. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly felt that when he illustrated my character for Crossroads Continent. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, Rich, then, Rich, Rich drew my OC. <laughs> one thing, if, if folks have ever worked with Rich directly as an artist, um, is that he 
thinks a lot about these things, like the symbols for Scion, for example. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of research, and um, he has usually pretty strong reasons. He, he definitely takes an information, yeah. but he he does think things through. Uh, and so I remember we were talking about uh, kind of clothing and armor and whatnot, uh, and the two things... He asked me, I I remember specifically, one was, what time period are we looking at? Because he's like, so many fantasy games just blur clothing into a vague ancient history. Yeah. And Mm. so you have people wearing clothing from like a thousand years prior to when they would have next to somebody else for a different time period. Yeah, honestly, as as somebody who's done costuming and rent fairs and things, that that annoys me all the time. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, why is this person wearing a toga next to this person wearing like 18th century court garb? <laughs> right. <laughs> but for Pugmire, I, I argued that that actually makes sense because they don't have that context. Right. 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 They they are piecing it together, and so I was like, I was like theoretically they could be wearing like what we consider to be modern clothing or even futuristic clothing but we decided for for tone purposes we weren't going to do that yeah which 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 makes sense because even though like we know that Pugmire is set in the future Mm -hmm. but tonally it is set in about the 16th century right yep and so it's like you wouldn't want to confuse people by having a you know cyberpug 2020 um (sighs) hanging out next to your like bard character who's got a loot and pantaloons because that would look confusing and strange right now in your home game they can dress however you want if you want your pugs to wear jeans and t-shirts go for it as as was discussed in discord if you want your dog to wear a backwards ball cap and sunglasses and a leather coat and be be poochie poochie. (laughs) (laughs) because someone's like we should make poochie and bungmare and i just rattled off what the build probably would be (laughs) Lots of uh, charisma. Just, just right. all, all the charisma. Just, just charisma. No spells. Just, just straight charisma. Probably a rhymer? Like a dog rhymer, I guess? It's I have to be. I, I, I'm one with the artisan, but you didn't buy the, the spell effect to make you even less effective. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so it's like, I encourage you. Can you cast spells? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I play a guitar. That's all I can do. Um, so what ends up resulting is we have the same kind of I don't want to say generic, but kind of uh, assumed fantasy setting in terms of clothing. Mm-hmm. But Rich talked me through, we came to a conclusion on that. Um, but, but, but the but, other... but it's actually very cool because it means that they're looking at like, you know, broken sculptures or murals or whatever books might still be around or whatever. And just being like, I don't know, clothes. Exactly. Right. Uh, and also that went to, to armor. Um, it's like, you know, Rich was like, shouldn't they have armor on the tails and it's a detail that you don't really see in most of the art uh, there's only very specific art pieces um but you can see it in the concept art because rich does like like most concept art you have the front view side view back view of, of mm-hmm. the characters yeah um and you can see like there's a little kind of curl of armor around the not the whole tail but like just this where it connects to the body so they can't yeah, take like, the tail off the like meaty part of the tail mm-hmm. um and that was all him he one hundred percent came up with that, uh, and then we talked. The other the other conversation we had was in terms because we want to do you know a traditional tavern scene. And one and one thing you do is like, okay, how do you take traditional tropes and then reimagine them through a Pugmire lens? And so it's like, how, how does a tavern scene look? And right. Rich was like, why wouldn't they drink from bowls? And initially, I, I was like, I don't know. It seems kind of on the nose, right? Dog drink from bowls. <laughs> drink from bowls. <laughs> on the nose. <laughs> but uh rich pointed out like what well, the pugs are in charge and royals tend to set fashion trends they would not be able to stick their nose into a taller glass yep so they would drink from a bowl and everyone would go oh well that's what the nobles do we should do that yeah also in a lot of like in in, in some medieval cultures that, that wasn't uncommon either you know, right. the like concept of like mugs with handles was a later invention than some people realize. Right. Um, but again, I mean, the, the, the nice thing about Pugmire is that things that pop culture have told us are true that are irritating because we know they're not true mm-hmm. are fine for Pugmire because Pugmire does look to pop culture for its history. Yeah, totally. 
um, which is which is really interesting. Like, especially if you consider the fact that these animals have been, you know, altered, right? They're mm-hmm. uplifted. Um, so maybe they don't quite all drink the way they do in the wild. Because like right. cats, cats, for instance, couldn't actually sip tea out of teacups, but right. they do in the monarchies. Because and that's fine. Right. You know, because they can also talk. So clearly their mouths are a little bit differently mm-hmm. shaped or or work differently. Um, not 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 that we're gonna start drawing them with, you know, big old weird human lips, but just <laughs> suspend your disbelief and understand that they work a little differently in the realms of Pugwire. And you can see the that. process of uplifting. Yeah. Honestly, that that isn't something I've ever considered. Uh, how they how they speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I can't help that... thinking about it because I have cats, you know, and I'm like, your mouth doesn't work that way. <laughs> and yet you're still talking to me. I mean, I I, I talk to the cats twenty four seven. Yeah, <laughs> who, who who else would I talk to? My boyfriend. God, <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, and, and to be fair, there's a a fair amount of this that falls under the category of it's a game about dogs, right? Um. There are certainly parts of the setting that take the Mystery Science Theater approach. Like, it's just a game. You really should relax. But Rich really set a stamp early on of let's think through this stuff. If we run into a wall and that wall impedes us from making a good game, then yeah, let's just ignore it. Hmm. Uh, So, Hmm. for example, um, one of the early criticisms of Pugmire was that dogs would not have distinct breeds anymore. They would just interbreed and eventually just become one big massive dog and i'm like that's not how people have worked it's true but also that's not what people want in the do- game about dogs yeah you want to be able to play a corgi or a pug right. or a boxer or whatever you don't want to like yes you can play a mud and that's fine like mm-hmm. go for it but i think that a lot of people want to play their dogs and a lot of dogs have distinctive looks at, at, the, at the very least you know right. Mm. right so i mean at the end of the day it's like this is what people want from this world. This is what I want in this world. So it is there because that is what is expected. And I will deliver that. Yeah. Whereas cats are just cats for the most part. Right. Which is why I intentionally made them much more kind of nebulous and much more about the about chosen family and, and political intrigue. Mm-hmm. And there's also, I mean, lots of other connections with, with, with how we view cats. Where that, that layer worked really well. So that was always kind of in my head. Um, but... I knew going in that, like, I wasn't going to worry nearly as much about cat families. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, like, aside from, you know, if you look at, like, Siamese, Persian cats, uh, sphinxes, like, there are certain cats that obviously are really distinctive. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of cats people own are just cat. Like, cat but tortoiseshell, cat but tabby, cat but calico. Well, and and you just pointed the big thing I noticed when I started thinking about this was, like, most people identify their dog by their breed. Most people identify their cat by their fur color. Yeah, because I have a tortoiseshell, a black cat, and a torby. Right. And they are wonderful. And the black cat is the void. And that's that's what we call her. Right. But, you know, I don't refer to Darby as a brindle. Right? Right. She's a boxer. Mm-hmm. That's actually really interesting to think about. I like it. Yeah, because all, all of my cats are listed as domestic short hair is their breed, technically. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, domestic short hair and domestic long hair are probably the two most populous breeds of cats. Right. But even then, literally, you're defining your cats by the, the hair length. Yeah. It, it, it's true because they don't have a breed anymore. They're just, right. it's a short haired cat. I don't know. Your cat, comma, the. <laughs> <laughs> the platonic ideal of cat. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that is, that is really interesting. Um, so yeah, no, that is a that is a cool conceit to have thought about, and I think it's always nice to know from game designers or you know world builders in general where some of this stuff comes from, and that and that you actually thought about it. You know, mm-hmm. I think there are folks that would think like, oh, that's just a thing that went in there because it made sense, and it's like, no, you 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 you, you put thought into this stuff, right? And to be fair, sometimes that is the answer. Sometimes, like at the time, it sounds like a good idea, and and certainly there have been. Quiet retcons. Um, one of the, the mm-hmm. secrets I will will give out is that uh, there's a very, very, very minor reference to fish in Bugmire. Is there I, really? I didn't know what I was gonna do completely. I guess I guess fish are pets technically. So right, right, goldfish and whatnot. Now it's got in my head. It's like I'm just listing all of the major pets. 
Mm. Um, and I was like, so uh, I guess I'll do fish. Uh, but um, so oh, you were thinking like, of uplifted fish. Yeah, yeah, uplift, like you playable mm. player character fish. Huh. And you denied me. I did. Maritime <laughs> adventures. No, so we I didn't. had to we make whole, my own. A whole book called Pirates of Pugmire. And that's yeah, that's true. Carry on. But but as pointed out, it's like people, some a, a a a person bought that expecting playable fish in that, which is a logical conclusion, and that did not manifest. Uh, and so something I kind of talked about a little bit on on our forums was that when I started thinking about that, I realized I ran into what I, in my head I call the Aquaman problem, yep. which is that in Aquaman comics, they're generally based around Atlantis or him doing things in or around Atlantis or otherwise underwater communities. Yeah. Um, when he is in team books, he is living in an environment to be part of the team book. When there are crossovers, the crossover finds a way to bring other characters into his environment of Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 always the issue with playable like mermaids and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, in a world that is generally not underwater. Right. So my options were make an entire setting book for underwater, which is possible, but is basically a different game at that point, right? Mm-hmm. It's the here's how you do underwater adventures, and if you're really into that, here it is. Otherwise, you're not going to buy this book because there's no other reason to buy this book, or dilute uh, fish so much that they can be on land that the point of them being fish is kind of missing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you made the right choice there, to mm-hmm. be honest. Right. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, it, it has been really interesting looking at what people regard as pets and what they don't when we talk about Pugmire games. Yes. Because obviously everybody wants their pet to be in the game, right? Right. And some people have pets that are, you know, like, yes, you could be, like, hamsters you could just reskin mice if you really want a hamster right that's that's not hard just pretend like hamsters exist in the world that's fine right. but then there are some pets where it's like that's a little bit more difficult <laughs> to get in there mm-hmm. and also you know different kinds of pets have different kinds of personalities mm-hmm. like i right. had a lot more trouble working on the lizards than i did on some of the other stuff simply because lizards are just kind of there yeah mm-hmm. yeah they don't care yeah, like they're just kind of chill. Like all of my friends that have had pet lizards or snakes are just like, it just hangs out, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really like Here's want much. Yeah, it is. It is. It is very happy to have a cricket to eat. Um, and past that, it just wants to sit on a rock under a <laughs> lamp. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's 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 what lizards do. That's and what so writers wrote, do as well. Right? I mean, yes, I I would love to sit on a rock under a lamp. Other than the cricket eating, you I don't, don't know, know my I'm... life. <laughs> Crickets are very high in protein. You don't know me. It's true. It does seem like a sort of twenty-first century diet fad. Actually, uh, cricket flour is like a, a thing people are using because they're so high in protein. Really? There you go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good for you actually. And mm. once it's flour, it doesn't taste like anything apparently. No I hidden mean... crunch to it. <laughs> you almost kind of want it though, right now. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Otherwise, well, you might as well be eating anything. Well, I, which I suppose is the appeal, because right. no and one you, actually wants to bite a cricket and think, "Oh, that tastes like legs." And a lot <laughs> cricket tacos are really common in like Mexico. What are you talking about? Well, you know, I'm I'm not judging. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I cover crickets. Yeah, uh, but I I certainly haven't grown up uh, eating many bugs. <laughs> it is a, it is a taste you have not acquired. Also, no. arguably, humans should be eating more bugs because they're really high in protein and easy to replenish. Oh, right. let's not let's not kill off another bloody. That, uh, the, 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 the point is, they're easy to replenish <laughs> versus like cows, who have to grow up. Like crickets mature in like a day. Right. Anyway, we, whatever. We actually have way too many bugs right now. This but. is a whole different conversation. Um, so, uh, so Eddie, was it ever a uh, possibility that Pugmire would have contained playable bugs? So Eddie does love playable bugs. He has played bugs several I, times. I mean, mm. in Rich's game, absolutely. <laughs> um, oh, no, no, so I, I'm not. I'm not actually being facetious. No, no, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, but and that, that, that's an interesting point because no. Um, but when I went into this, I it was very much so. The, the original conceit was very much cat versus dog, right? That it's very simple. Um, it's a classic formula for for uh, drama and for humor. And then I realized pretty soon, it's like, okay, I wanted to expand to other 
pets. But as Dixie pointed out, that very quickly became a rabbit hole because there are people who a rabbit hole. Rabbit. <laughs> it's full of full of unintentional puns. This one, yeah, right? That's I, it's my entire brand. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, so, like, I, I, I made some decisions pretty early on, and they're they're pretty arbitrary initially. Mm-hmm. Over time, I have refined that to be. I wanted to showcase animals that we as humans have a relationship with and most of those are pets because that is usually the relationship we have with animals yes yeah also ones that would make sense for humans to have uplifted right that's the other part which is a thing that i think about a lot when we're working on this because it it, it would make sense for a lot of these animals i think some of the hardest ones to justify would be like lizards and stuff um Mm -hmm. because i'm not sure why we would do that but birds birds i understand because birds live forever and some of them can speak english so it would be super interesting to uplift a bird like birds are the closest thing to to dinosaurs that we have right um uh lizards and and now we're going into some of the secret stuff um secret stuff uh uh lizards in my mind the reason why they're uplifted is because they can explore and engage in different environments than humans could do without protection oh see see i like that um Especially if humans are going through a crisis of some sort. Right. Uh, so, like, I, I definitely do think about these things like, okay, at some point a human had to say, I want to give that thing arms and legs and the ability to talk. Why? What led us to that decision? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except snakes who didn't get legs. Well, right, because <laughs> hashtag screw snakes. But also, no, um, well, no, because they're more useful without them. Well, right. I mean, that's the real reason. And also, we actually did talk about one time about. I think it was Rich and I talked about. Uh, no, I, was, or, I think Rich and I talked about it, but I also separately think I talked to you about it. Yeah, um, I was. I was the advocate for snakes not having legs. Right, because originally I was going to, and then you were like, "No, here's some more of the Warcraft examples, and here's yeah, other because I think examples. that Naga and stuff are very cool looking, and right. I also think that snakes have a bonus to traverse, which I gave them. Right, uh, because which I like. <laughs> because you love traverse, <laughs> yeah, I do love traverse. But yeah, no, I was a big fan of of that. So yeah, right. Um, so uh, uh, there are characters who were uplifted by mistake. Um, then there are characters who are kind of a one off thing. So like, uh, there is a character who is an uplifted elephant in the fiction, but that oh. is like, uh, it is in one of the uh, Pugmire short stories in the anthology. Uh, and admittedly, I think I edited, but I don't remember the elephant. <laughs> well, it was um, not a protagonist. It was a it was a, a character that someone stumbled across because it was there were rumors that there's this, this ancient creature who had remembered the days of man, mm-hmm. and they went to go seek him out, and it turns out that he had just gone insane because he had been alive for so long. Mm. Uh, and some of it was uh, a Conan pastiche, right? Because um, you know, there's a, 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 a story about the Tower of the Elephant where Conan goes in and finds this elephant statue. It turns out to be some kind of strange god. Uh, and so it kind of, initially the, the writer pitched that, and I was like, yeah, let's just lean into the, the Robert E. Howard influence here. Um, but my one argument was, this elephant is wrong. This elephant does not have any actual knowledge. Partially because I wanted that kind of Howardian um, view of Conan always kind of gets the wrong end of the stick. Uh, but mm-hmm. also... I didn't want to reveal the big secret because, like, if there's a character who knows the answer, then the whole mystery is pretty much gone, right? Right. Yeah. Well, go talk to this guy and he'll tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but the mystery of this character might know. Um, but when we, like, so in the back of my head, this is probably we as a as humanity have had a bad history of experimenting on quote unquote circus animals for scientific benefit. Um, I was thinking of the uh, ACDC. Uh, debates in the early 1900s where uh, Edison straight up electrified an elephant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was horrifying. Right. But it's it's a thing we, that we as humans do. We, we capture animals, and when those animals are no longer suitable for entertainment value, we tend to sometimes experiment on them. Um, and so in my head, it's the, that was probably very likely a prototype at some stage of uplifting mm-hmm. that did not go well. And then if you give a very large creature with very thick skin uh, the ability to stand upright and articulate things, it's probably going to just leave. And there's not much you can do to stop it. Uh, so in my head, it's like, it, it, yes, it probably lived a very long time. It's been around. And of course, it totally plays with the, the elephant never forgets, blah, blah, blah. Except for, again, the twist is this elephant uh, 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 does forget. Um, so 
uh, I think there's some of these things I come up with, I have kind of logical step-by-step, here's the world reason for it. And some of them are very clearly or intended to be. This is the pop culture or literary relationship we have with these characters. And that also needs to be reflected in some way. Uh, so it, it, there, there are bits and pieces and, and uh, when I make these kinds of decisions. So I've got a question for you then, Eddie, yeah, sure. uh, in terms of um, Pugmire or uh, I guess the dog's relationship with cats mm-hmm. and how you came to the decision that the war of uh, dogs and cats would be over. Uh, because I know obviously a lot of settings set themselves up with conflict right there, you know, you're thrust right into the middle of it, whereas mm-hmm. in Pugmire you are in the wake of it. Right. Uh, so, so what steered that decision? Uh, there are uh, there are a few reasons, um, and that's actually a, a good one because the war of the dogs and cats is something that I probably will never get into any detail in the role playing game. Uh, I am open to other, like for example, um, I have vague notes for a potential war game uh, using the war of the dogs and cats uh, because it seems like a natural thing, but. Uh, there's a couple of reasons, one of which is personal, and I do feel like personal designer interests are something that gets kind of overlooked in these kinds of design discussions, because designers want to appear like, I have this strong reason, sometimes like, no, I just didn't want to. Yeah, no, there's, like, when when you're creating something, whether it is, you know, a, 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 a 2D piece of art or a game or what have you... I don't want to is a perfectly valid reason to not do something. Right, right. And I did not want to set the game at a point where it was, war was either happening or about to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I felt like it really limited player possibilities. Uh, I did like the idea of war being on the horizon. And early on in conception, I was debating okay, well, maybe the dogs and cats are at a political kind of cold war that could right. go hot. Um, but my my frustration with that is that there wasn't really an inciting reason beyond, well, dogs hate cats. I mean, that was, that was the cultural mm. basis for it. But I feel like I needed an in-world hook for that. Uh, and so I realized the answer was to flip it around, um, where at the war has happened, so that's the inciting reason, right? It's the dogs and cats have fought before. And it went badly for both sides, which is why they're not fighting now. But there are always going to be diehards who bang the drum and go, we can win it this time. So a second war is on the horizon. Uh, and that's something that could happen in a potential Pugmire game. And certainly certain adventures have been set up to push the needle towards that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, this week's in a deep adventure, you know, minor spoilers for it, but like that, that one of the possible outcomes is that hostilities between dogs and cats might escalate as a result of that adventure. Right. That is interesting to me. Um, but the other piece is that I have played in enough fantasy games where you have multiple people options. Uh, and indeed, vampire games. Uh, where people will find a way to jam all sorts of character types together. Uh, oh yeah, totally. To the point where I remember Matthew, you and I had a conversation about this online at one point, where people were baffled that you could play a single clan vampire the masquerade game. Yeah. People are still baffled by that. Like right. every time that I bring that up, people are like, "What?" And I'm like, "It it, it makes sense, right?" Like, yes, you all have similar power sets, I guess, but you all have different strengths and weaknesses. Like, come on. Right. I mean, coincidentally, I, I got an email notification. Someone had commented on one of my old videos just yesterday asking uh, it must have been a vampire based video um mm. just asking so am i getting it right that every player plays members of the same clan oh. no but <laughs> i've not responded yet i hear you i'm answering you now no <laughs> um if, if you happen to find this episode podcast. two whatever of the past cast to get your answer <laughs> right. so you have to start at the beginning though just get all the context uh, but yeah, um, sorry, back to Pugmire. No, no, no. But I mean, I, I bring it up because you open the Vampire the Masquerade book and you see, oh, I have seven possible clans or whichever one. I'm just, I'm, you know, 
basics, five clans, seven clans, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And your instinct is, okay, then you will play this one, and I will play this one, and you will play that one. Well, because some people think of it like D&D, obviously, because that's the that, that that especially back in the day was the closest analog. Right. Where, like, you're not all going to play fighters, generally. Right. Because mm. um, I remember uh, uh, at one point around the 3 3.5 cycle, I actually pitched a Thieves Guild game for players. It's like, you know, we're all going to play Thieves or mm-hmm. classes that could can logically hang around Thieves. Like, you know, maybe you have a fighter who's the leg breaker or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they went over like lead balloon because people just could not wrap their heads around it. Um, and so I knew that even though I had shifted the design so that way it's not each animal type is a separate play, but rather each animal type has multiple play styles within it. People are still going to say, but I want to play cats with the dog characters. So if we take that dynamic to its logical conclusion, the end result of the average playing group who decides they want to mix groups is that they're going to fight intentionally or unconsciously towards unification of cat and dog. Yeah. Uh, like, aside from running... Um... The, uh, the 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 OG Pugmire adventure at a at an event a while back. Every time that I've run Pugmire, it's been like a cat, a mouse, and a lizard. You know, right. a red dog, a cat, and a bird. Like right. it is always a mixed group now because there 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 are those options out there. Right, and that's actually to be fair, it's one thing I actually fought against initially, um, because to my mind, Pugmire is a dog game. And when I put Monarchies of Mao out, I was like, I wanted to have a separate, distinct cat game that people could easily mix. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people perceive Monarchies of Mao, even today, as ultimately a supplement for Pugmire. Which, and, and as a result, a lot of people view Pugmire as something closer to, like, say, Redwall, where it's like, oh, everyone plays a different animal. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it's more like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where there are four different, slightly different kinds of turtle. Right. I always kind of designed Pugmire as primarily a dog game. Um, and I, 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 I stand by that. But um, I recognize that people want to have the options to do that, which is saying you know, um, a mixed group. Uh, so I don't want to cut that off. Mm-hmm. If I have a hot war happening, there's very few narrative reasons to allow that. Yeah. Right. But if there's a war that's coming, then you have a strong reason for one side or the other to potentially be breaking faith with their city or nation. Mm-hmm. And or trying to negotiate, what have you. Right. And that's also why I created Water Dog Port is because I also wanted to have a location for Water Dog Port is my explicit everyone comes here. You can play whatever critters you want. They all hang out here because they're the they're the they're the anti establishment, you know, illegal city that everyone kind of needs and hates the fact that they need. So pirates is absolutely the yeah, just jam everything together and have have fun, get on a ship and start stealing blunder because pirates. Yeah. Uh, But if you're playing a game in Pugmire, you're probably going to play a dog. But again, there's room for cats and other characters in there intentionally. If you play the monarchies, there's one monarchy that's very explicitly has uh, allegiances towards other peoples and or species, Mm -hmm. and there are other alliances that have uses for the species. So there's reasons for dogs and lizards and birds to appear in the monarchies. That was always kind of the design. Yeah, which is also why in Pirates I wrote explicit reasons and even a term for like lizards who go live in a city. Right. Mm Because lizards are mostly desert-dwelling nomads. Um, but sometimes they go live in a city and then they're called hibernal lizards. Right. And yeah. then they live in the city and that's what they do. That's that, that is why playing Jesk is so much fun to me whenever I, I play him because he is explicitly a snake who has, you know, left, left his family kind of in shame and hangs out with like mice and stuff now. <laughs> right. Cause he's, he's, he's weird <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be weird. Right. Um, as opposed to a lizard character in a group of lizards who are maybe doing their own lizard adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, so that does bring me around to another secret, which I have not talked a lot about. Actually. Secrets! Um, because some people have asked me, okay, so how do the badgers fit in all that? Ah, I was hoping we were going to talk about the badgers. Because mm. people don't, like, every time that we were like, like, oh, it's all pets, like, very few people actually bring that up when we talk about it. It's like right. they don't think about badgers in the moment. Right. But if you read the book, it's like, why the fuck would humans uplift badgers? You know? Right. So, and, why, and so, so here's the secret. 
they didn't. Yep. Um, it, it's not going to mention anywhere in the books because I, I want this to always be like a deep secret. But you know, this is the podcast ruling secrets. Um, also, it's a fun thing to play with at your table, especially if you know this and your players don't. Right. Dog culture has a very strong reverence for what they consider to be the magic that humanity's handed down. So they very much try to use it in what they believe to be the way it's intended. And the fact that they don't always get it right is the source of the humor, right? Um, it's kind of a key piece of the Pugmire sauce is that you can play it straight, but also you can have a dog with a remote control shooting fireballs out of it. <laughs> and that's, that's the fun. Uh, but cats were specifically set up to be hackers. They take stuff apart and try to see how it works. And mm -hmm. so it's logical at some point in time, they're going to go, okay, so how do we make people? We could resurrect the dead. How can we make people? And they tried it on the badgers and it went badly. Yeah. They're like kind of uplifted. Right. Um, they're, they're, they're not, badgers are not unintelligent. They're not no, no, no. feral. They're not barbarians. None of that. But they don't um, fit into society very well. It's just that cats are missing a key piece of what makes them work. And so the badgers have had to kind of adapt to that. And of course they resented that. And so they, this is like ancient history. Um, and so they uh, basically fucked off um, and cats do whatever they would do in that moment, which is kick it in shame and try to hide it. It's like, well, let's just cover that part of the litter box up. That never happened. That <laughs> is <laughs> what cats do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is partially why we don't have playable badgers. Because um, mm -hmm. they are meant to be kind of an NPC slash occasional antagonist. Right. Faction, um, particularly for cats, but for anybody, if you really want to. Right. Uh, but also, you could have really cool stories about, like, you know, getting to know the badgers. Yeah. And, mm. and learning about their society. And that's 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 why there's a huge sidebar in... Is it, is it Pirates that, that I wrote? Or no, it was in uh, Adventures of Curious Cats. cats. Mm -hmm. About, like, are badgers barbarians? And the answer is no. They are mm. not. They have a very different culture from most of the other peoples of, of the realms of Pugmire. And so they are viewed with prejudice by a lot of them. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean that you cannot like go interact with them and learn about them and, you know, trade with them if you really want to. Yeah. I think we have one as a first mate on one of the ships in Pirates of Pugma. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't know that. So that was very interesting. And I mean, also, um, to, to a point, Matthew, the reason why I considered it uh, at Badgers is because. Badgers have a weirdly outsized presence in specifically British literature. Yeah. As characters. Well, badgers and foxes. Right, right, right. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why I initially included them is because if my conceit is animals that we have as humans a, a relationship with, badgers is part of, are part of that, but they're not the traditional relationships. That's why I right. kind of like... They're NPCs, they're a little off to the side, they're a little different from everybody else to kind of reflect the fact that, yes, we have this relationship, but it is at a remove hmm. to most other animal relationships that humans have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I read something interesting about badgers the other day. Oh. Yep, there you go. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Apparently... <laughs> Tell us your badger secrets, Matthew. Oh, uh, apparently a badger will not let go of your leg until it hears it snap. Really? You know, if they bite onto you. So That's you horrifying. are encouraged to keep an egg in your pocket and crack it if a badger bites on. It's to fool the badger into thinking that it has snapped your leg. Someone did inquire, why can't I just carry a stick with me? Yeah. Um, and snap that. That's much easier than an egg, yeah. <laughs> but apparently an, an egg was what this life hack was recommending. Uh, so, yeah. Like a, so, like, like a raw egg? You just have yeah. an egg in your pocket afterwards? Exactly. So, so be warned, if you're going to <laughs> rove around the English countryside, you will need to go along with a stock of eggs, because you never know when a badger might attack you. Is that is that common in the UK? Do you get attacked by badgers often? Uh, it happens in... Uh, in vignette B of ABCs of Death 2, which is a horror <laughs> movie, uh, which is B is for Badger. Uh, Julian Barrett, formerly of the ma ma uh, of the uh -huh. Mighty Boosh, gets uh -huh. uh, ripped in half by a badger. But, but do you know anyone personally this has happened to? Well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see you, like, teaching your son before you go on a walk. Like, remember, kid. 
Keep an egg in your pocket. Just in case. <laughs> a tie an onion to a belt. Yeah. It was it was it was the fashion at the time. Um Okay. Well that's that's interesting. Uh, uh we definitely have to include that in the next uh Pugmire supplement. <laughs> right. Um and that's another I guess secret is that uh, I take out a lot more puns than I think people realize from the books. That's why um, I can't write on it anymore. It, it's fair. You've been banished. You've been you've banned from yeah. Pumrat. I'm actually pretty good about not putting too many puns on my my work. No, both of you kind of have been around me enough and know the material enough to actually recognize kind of where my line is. But certainly, yeah, you actually know I dislike puns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're let's disincline and include them. I love puns, but I. I saved them for they came from books. Just yeah. to annoy Matthew. Yeah, I dislike puns in game text. Uh, well, actually, that's a strong, strong thing to say. They have a time and a place, and right. it isn't everywhere, every when. Right. Um, but and there, and there's two kind of secrets for that. One, which I've been pretty open about constantly, is that um, I do like the player to finish the joke. Uh, I want mm-hmm. all of our jokes to be set up and let players find the punchline. Uh, and there's reasons for that because if players don't want to engage with the punchline, they don't have to. It's just they can just use the material as straight and it's fine. Um, but if players do find the punchline, they feel clever. Uh, so there's been lots of times where I have heard the punchline over and over and over and over and over again in the last games I've run. And I just smile every time because I'm glad they have found they found the joke. I'm glad they found the joke. But if I told them a joke, then they wouldn't have found it. You know. Uh, but the other one is that there are some jokes that are so ubiquitous that I either never want to reference them or I want to reference them once well. Uh, so for example, um, Dixie was the winner of the catch chase, the red dot award because I had (laughs) six different writers do some version of that over the course of a few different books. And I cut most of them out. Mine made sense for pirates. Right. Following a red star. It's like, okay, that's actually a cool, interesting hook. Yeah, it's a weird laser pointer that mm-hmm. projects a specific course, and God knows it's at the end of it. And it would be really funny if you know it's just like a sandy beach where you can, you know, hang out. Right. I don't so, know what's going to be at the end of it. Maybe a giant ball of yarn. Whatever you want to do yarn. with your table. Right. <laughs> um, I have never made the cats and dogs living together masteria joke because it's just way too obvious. Yeah, but everybody makes it at the table. Everybody. Correct. Right, and that's fine. That's where it should be. It should be in the table. It should not be in the books. Um, Whereas, I don't think this is better than... I think this is a different take on games like, say, they came from. Because they came from, the point is, do you want to give you so many jokes that you feel comfortable making them on your own and giving you a sense of what that humor we're expecting you to make at the table Mm -hmm. to be? Here's a whole bunch of examples of that humor. So you can make the leap yourself. And I think that's good. With, with Pugmire, it's the, if you want to have a straight adventure game, you can have it. But they came from game, while you can theoretically play it straight, that's not the intended mode. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Don't worry, I'm not offended. That's fine. Um, I'll, I'll try our next time. <laughs> <laughs> also, if anybody has any weird background noise for me, I'm very sorry. My apartment complex has decided to mow right under my window. Of course. Um, so, sorry, listeners. I would like to keep it being in the conversation. So, you're just going to have to deal with a little bit of background noise if it's like coming through. So, what, what other stuff have I not talked about? I want to talk about the differences in magic okay. and what it what what it actually is for different uh, species. Okay. Um, so, uh, I'm going to hit just dogs and cats um, uh, because. Uh, the other ones are a bit muddier by design, so I don't want to kind of get too much into the weeds of those yet. Oh, you, 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 you don't want to talk about mice? Okay, okay, that's fine. Well, actually, okay, okay, mice. I will talk about mice too, thank you. Okay, because um, mice, mice, mice is the one that I think is the most fascinating, and it makes sense when you know all the background for it. Uh, but also, I, I, thank you for reminding me of mice, because actually there's a there's a progression here, because I'm setting mm-hmm. each, each piece has a set piece that helps the next piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Artisans is pretty straightforward, uh, which is that... Um, you have a device that does magic for you. And uh, dogs, the game mechanics say that dogs learn spells and are able to study the, the to, to learn these spells and therefore manifest spells. What's actually happening is they find a strange device and as they study the strange device manifests new and unusual things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the nature of these devices, they're, they're basically, you know, 
palm recognition kind of stuff. So basically, okay, you know, you're now the owner, so only you can use this, which I know nobody else can use your focus, but you. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, the energy is coming from you to power the device, but it's all coming from the device. That's why the focus is so important to an artist. Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, shepherds, um, there's a, 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 a small reference to a ritual of transubstantiation, uh, where uh, basically um, they, they go through this, this thing and, and they drink something in their body. And then as part of that, they get shepherd powers. What they're drinking are nanites. And actually, uh, uh, they has certain pre-programmed abilities inside of them mm -hmm. that they can then activate. Uh, and so that what the shepherd is doing is actually learning how to uh, activate the properties of their own blood that have filled with these nanites. So theoretically, if a, if a dog who is not faithful somehow got hold of this, they could theoretically do the same thing. But the Church of Man keeps it so carefully guarded that only only if you become indoctrinated into church can you possibly get this. So that's why it is assumed, oh, man is actually granting me these gifts. That's technically true, mm -hmm. but not what's actually happening. You're actually powering things yourself. Uh, so go to the cats, uh, the ministers. Mm -hmm. um, ministers are kind of in the same boat, uh, with the exception of the fact is because they are hackers, uh, they haven't internalized the kind of user manual, if you will. Of, of how these things work. Rather, um, all cats kind of have a small amount of nanites invested with them due to just years of them constantly shifting houses and realigning different families and whatnot. So that's why cats can buy magical aptitude. Any mm -hmm. cat can buy that because they just have a low level of these nanites in their body. Um, uh, ministers ultimately have a lot of voice activation codes. That's why they have to speak or sing every time. They That's use also why voice. they're yelling in the artwork, which is one of my favorite pieces of art in the oh, yeah, entire game. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because um, it's all voice activated. It's why they have to use their voice. Also because um, I have a cat who just walks around going, Ear! all the time. The other so reason that's all why. I can think about is. That's, yeah. Because it, 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 cats are loud. Um, and, and I want to make sure that the loud cat had a cool class to play. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not all cats are loud, but the ones that are, are very loud. Right. <laughs> um, so then we go to uh, the Bansers, um, which ties into the other kind of key bit of Pugmire War. So in a couple of throwaway lines that most people miss, because I still get this question every now and then, people ask, where are the languages of Pugmire? And there's lines in there that say, all species except for the Badgers can speak the same language. Mm -hmm. And that's your clue that the Badgers were not uplifted by everybody else. Because the cats never cracked that particular piece of the code. Uh, the reason why is that all of these species, because they're uplifted, have these devices in their body, right? That's that's what makes them this. They didn't evolve this way. They were technology created them to be like this. And so the next generation inherits that technology so that they can continue to be like this. This is not natural evolution, this is forced evolution. Mm -hmm. All of these things have certain uh, components inside of them. Uh, so like, for example, when you are uplifted, you get a certain default language. That default language is whatever language is native to the group playing the game. Uh, I assume it is English, but if you are playing Germany, it is German. If you're playing you know, mm -hmm. somewhere else, that is, that, is the, that is the language that is default to everybody. Yeah, whatever the commonly shared table language is. Exactly. Uh, uh, cats, being contrary, have invented their own languages because screw you, you can't tell me what to do. Um, but that's more kind of a, a political intrigue code cipher kind of stuff. Uh, but all animals have these devices in them. If you die, those devices are still there. Mm -hmm. And that's what answers do. They're basically just activating the devices in your body and animating them. That's how the undead exist. Hmm. Is because they're just, though the body is the housing for these devices that all creatures have. And so we're just making those move around. Right, right, right. Um, digression. But uh, these devices also can be networked. And so even if a these devices are no longer anybody, doesn't take away the networking. Uh, so this is where a lot of the unseen come from. They're basically artificial intelligences that have are rampaging through these networks, and that's how they possess people. They just take over the devices of your body. That also makes sense for things like animated bones and stuff like that in the game. 
Yep. Which mm-hmm. is very cool because a, a lot of times these things don't have really an explanation in games. Right. Um, but since Pugmire is far future, technically, mm-hmm. you can have these and it's it's interesting. Right. Um, so for mice, uh, all of this kind of uh, uh, changed over time. Like all, all the other four major spellcasting groups found their different paths into it through this kind of standard. Uh, mice and rats were specifically designed to take advantage of these things. This, they were a, a different uh, a path of, of uh, experimentation. Which makes sense because humans experiment on mice and rats all the time. Right, exactly. Uh, so it's the, what if we actually put these devices into rat brains and mouse brains and networked them? Uh, and that went badly. Uh, so... They like with all other species, you know, they pass on these devices genetically. Um, uh, uh, basically, the genetics are created in such a way that when you are born, it starts to build these devices in your body. That's basically how it works. Hand wavy, hand wavy, hand wavy. Um, so mm-hmm. they, they build these nodes into uh, rodent brains, which again is why mice and rats can also pick up a level of psychic ability, even if they're not a psychic class. Yep, they all have that like innate ability somewhere in there. But they are also broken. Yeah. Uh, uh, they have not had a patch update in thousands of years. And that's, and, and that's why they have tells and things, right? Yep, correct. Yeah, because... because there's, it, it should work perfectly fine. It should work fluidly and silently and no one would ever notice it, but everyone has broken in a slightly different way, so everyone has their own different tells. Yeah. Everyone's got their own little bug, and like they, no one knows how to debug them. Right, exactly. Uh, so... Um, that's kind of the, the backstory and, and you know, I've, I've, I've talked to Dixie about these things. I've talked to some writers and other Pugmire books about these things. So like I tell writers this stuff when it comes up, uh, but I don't put them in the books because none of this matters at the end of the day. Right. Right. None of this matters to the fun you're having. And the fact that it's not explicitly on the page, I think makes the game more interesting because it gives a, a avenue for people to explore. Yeah. It is it is interesting to hear the canon answers, but obviously you can change canon at your table if you want to. Hmm. Right, but this is this is a point where, um, uh, like for example, I, I I've been famous about the fact that humans are gone, and there's no good reason for it, and I will never come up with an answer for it. I don't know the answer for it because it doesn't matter to me. Uh, but also, it doesn't matter to the structure of the game. Mm-hmm. This is different in the sense that it does matter that there's a cohesive answer. So that way the answers all kind of flow into that. I specifically want there to be weird exceptions because this is always going to be a, a game of wonder and mystery. Right. So whenever you think you have the answer, there's going to be the, but what about this? And some of that is intentional. Some of that is also mistakes. I'm not going to lie, but yeah, um, some of that <laughs> is, no, this doesn't work that way. And also some okay. of it is like, you didn't intend to have lizards when you first got Pugmire. Right. And right. now we do. And so, like, how does their magic work? I did not go super into that. Although I will say that alkalis specifically, it's actually just chemistry. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think is cool because they have just figured out chemistry, but they think of it as like magic or alchemy or whatever, because that's the tone of the game. Right. Um, but really they just can make bombs. Like <laughs> they yeah. just know how to yeah. make bombs. Al- alkali in my head. Um yeah. Uh, alcohol, uh, alcoholism? I don't know. Alcoholism? Alcoholism, Al- I guess. Alkali? The magic of alchemists. Yeah. But, um, is a a variation of the um, shepherd path, mm-hmm. uh, but except for power with their blood because they don't have the same kind of, uh, of body heat and chemistry to keep things active. They have to actually have to use salt to continue to power the machines to keep them active. Yeah. That, and that, that makes perfect sense to me. They have to um, break down the salt to get the components. So we're getting near time. We've okay. talked about some cool secrets. Mm-hmm. I do want to – I am interested in hearing what people's favorite explanations for what happened to Man are. Not, not a canon answer. Right, right. But just what are some answers that you think are fun? Um, so the one that I have used as an example that people seem to like mm-hmm. uh, is that humans turned into uh, giant space brain clouds. Giant space brain clouds. Right. They have just – Evolved into being pure intellect, and they just float off into space to explore the universe. Okay. And that is what happened to humanity. And I made I made it as a joke at a convention, and people were like, is that really what happened? I'm like, no, no, obviously I was not meant to be the real answer, but people really dug it. So I'm like, okay. So I, I keep bringing it up, and people keep liking it. So it's like, uh, okay. Do you think there are some who hover around Earth and, Probably, and yeah. look at all the cats and dogs, and they're like, is this cool? 
Right. You know, in, in much the same way, like you, know, you look at like your Tamagotchi. <laughs> Scoop up horses like uh, That's the great. alien and nope. <laughs> yes. Uh, Matthew, what about you? Do you have a, a, a cool thing for where man has gone? Do I have a cool theory? Well, no. Uh, oddly, because I've ran Pugmire and Monarchies of Mal quite a lot, and it never comes up, and therefore I never have to answer <laughs> or think about it. The players always seem to be quite content to mm-hmm. exist with it being a mystery. Um, I like that. Uh, yeah, unless there's a, I'm running an adventure where they're trying to piece things together, and sometimes I will provide clues that might point in a direction, but I'm not going to ever sort of provide a solid answer. Uh, often the clues will be contradictory um, because right. I think that makes things more interesting. They'll be in a story like that. Uh, it will usually start off with the party are off to find this answer and what they actually find out is something more personal. You know, it, it might sound a bit twee. It might sound a no, bit no. Saturday morning cartoonish, but the idea of, uh, characters embarking on a journey. It you know it wasn't about the it wasn't about the treasure. It was about the friends we made along the way. Right. <laughs> uh, but but I think that does tend to leave players more satisfied than saying categorically. So yeah, all the uh, humans got scooped up by a giant jellyfish. There you go. <laughs> I have I have two favorite explanations just because they're fun in my head canon. Mm-hmm. And the first one is the Cavaliers of Mars ex- explanation that we talked about I was before, you mentioned that one. <laughs> which is that the humans fucked off to Mars and built canals and all kinds of other shit, and but they can't get back now because right. of other reasons. So go play Cavaliers of Mars if you want to know what happened to the humans, because um, <laughs> they can't get back to Earth. So God knows what's happening on Earth. You know? Neither Rose nor I have discounted this theory. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like Rose. R- Rose thinks it's a fun theory. Anything that thinks it's a fun theory, I think it's a fun theory. I like the fact that I can tie the two games together, even though they are not actually canonically tied together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it makes me happy to think about. Um, but my personal favorite one that I would do in a in a game um, is that I if 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 anybody has read uh, the the Rust series of books, the wool wool and rust and all those, um, mm-hmm. I like the idea that all the humans went underground at one point because something bad happened, okay. and they've been living in like Fallout style vaults mm-hmm. for God knows how long, you know, mm-hmm. like generations, obviously, and um, I. I would love to end a Pugmire game, like just end it with them coming upon one of them. Yeah. And that's, that's just how it ends. Like there is no further interaction, none of that, but it does end on some level with the dogs, like meeting their gods, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I just think that would be interesting. Like that, that the humans are still here, but they don't realize that the earth has recovered from whatever happened to it. Right. So like, they're just still living underground. It's just what they do now. You know, they don't think about going back to the surface because to them, the surface is a weird mythical thing at this point. I, I, I have heard some people run games like that where they're basically humans mm. exist and dogs run into them and, and they want to play through that existential crisis of perhaps you meet your gods and your gods are kind of... I don't want to play through it. I just want it to happen right, right. and be like a button. Right. Because I like leaving that up to players imaginations at the end of that right so you don't have to worry about you know the actual way that battlestar galactica ended you know i have not seen battlestar galactica but okay Fair enough. Watch it, the it, end. yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's 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 on level of game of thrones in terms of they, they went towards a certain direction they got the direction and they did not stick the landing at all but well, well you can do an episode mm, about battlestar mm-hmm. galactica well maybe i'll do a solo one I would love to talk about Star Galactica. Okay, we'll do opinions. it. Yeah, yeah, we we can discuss and argue and rant and rave. Actually, no, that's <laughs> not true. I don't get angry about these things anymore. No, I'll just no, sigh no. about wasted potential, <laughs> uh, but but not when it comes to Pugmire. It's true. Mm. I think I, th- I think Pugmire has stuck all of its landings so far. Right. I am a, I'm, I'm a fan of everything that we put out for it. So thank you. I'm very happy. Uh, I do have one more secret before we wrap up, which is okay. This last secret is that uh, the sales for Pugmire are about to end as you're listening to this today. So if you wanted to pick up uh, some of the Pugmire stuff at really, really cheap cost, some of it's up to 90% off, uh, definitely go to uh, Indie Press Revolution or Drive Through RPG uh, because 
today's the last day. So get those now while you can. And that's only uh, applicable if you're listening to it on the day it drops. If you right, waited if, a if, day to listen to this, sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> only people who listen religiously to the podcast will be able to take advantage of it. Yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. If you wait even one day, uh, it, we're, we're in the game for a month now. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Bye. <laughs> it's they came from month. That's it's no secret now. It's a revelation. It'll be tomorrow <laughs> when this drops. I think it's okay. Yes, but I'm addressing the people who are listening to this after the day. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> they You're came from the month now. of October. For Unless, of course, month, they're listening anyway. in November. Then, of course, it just gets all awkward again. Yeah, it's month. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great game. I love. Hmm. This is a really good game. Static the censoring is great. Static the censoring. I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, if people wanted to ask you more questions about Bugmeyer Secrets or Static the Censoring or other favorite games of yours, Eddie, <laughs> where would they do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pugsteady. That's my company name, P-U-G-S-T-E-A-D-Y. My website is Pugsteady.com. You can find anything related to Pugmire at realmsofpugmire.com. Or you can find me on the Onyx Path Discord posting memes instead of actually answering questions. And Matthew? They can find me on MatthewDawkins.com. They can find me on Twitter at DawkinsMP. And they can find me on the Onyx Path Discord as Matthew Dawkins. Awesome. You can find me pretty much everywhere as Dixie Cyanide. Uh, that's my that's my website. What's my website? My, my website's my name. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Uh, but that's, that's me on the right. Discord. That's me on Twitter. Find me everywhere, hanging out, talking about Pugmire. Uh, feel free to ask me anything about lizards and birds and mice and rats, and I'll try to remember what I wrote. <laughs> uh because i don't remember what i did for dinner last so night long ago let alone what i wrote a few years ago uh but yeah no i'm super excited that we got to wrap up with this kind of fun conversation yeah a little, little bit of a of a deep dive uh that wasn't you know explaining the game to people we kind of assume people know about the game right and got to talk about some some cool stuff people might not have known so uh thank you both for this conversation you can find us everywhere at the onyx path and as always many worlds one podcast. <laughs>